Welcome to the third episode of Front End Happy Hour, the podcast where over drinks we talk about all things front end developments. Working as a front end developer is really interesting. You've learned a lot of skills to do the job, but it's a field that's constantly changing. In order to stay relevant and stay up to date, you're constantly having to learn. In today's episode, we talk about our backgrounds and how we first got started, but we also share ideas on how, to, how we continue to learn and stay up to date. On each episode, we like to choose a keyword that, if it's mentioned in our conversation, we'll take a drink. And we also invite you, as listeners, to drink along. So, what's today's word that we've chosen? Skills. Skills. Is that skills with an S? Skills with a Z. All right, on. on. <laughs> uh, before we jump into today's topic, let's go around the table and introduce uh, this episode's panelists. Derek, you want to kick this off? Yep, I am. Derek Showers, a uh, UI engineer at LinkedIn. I'm Ryan Aplum. I'm a senior UI engineer at Netflix. I am also Bittersweet Ryan on Twitter, if you want to go ahead and follow me. (laughs) Personal branding. Personal branding. Nice. (laughs) I'm Jem Young. Also, I lost 100 followers, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, they all just unfollowed you. I'm going to ban my legion of followers to unfollow you. I don't think it works. Jem's going to go to <laughs> I'm Jim Young, uh, also a senior UI engineer at Netflix. I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a UI engineering manager as well at Netflix. Uh, and we also have a special guest joining us today. Sarah, do you want to give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what's your favorite adult beverage? Uh, my name is Sarah. Um, I'm a front-end developer at Apple. Um, my favorite happy hour Beverage, it's a fancy one. I am a huge fan of a basil gimlet. Basil gimlet, it's pretty fancy. We have an episode where we're all drinking basil gimlets. I kind of feel like that's a good idea. Only, only if you invite me back. <laughs> Is Sarah making them too? Supplying these drinks? That's how you get on the show. Yes. <laughs> 60 ounces of basil gimlets. Awesome. I'm in. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we get into each other's like school background and everything like that, I'm actually interested to know what led each of you into being interested in front-end development. Yeah, um, I uh, see. I can make this story short. I uh, was started my own web design company uh, in high school with a friend, and we went door to door trying to sell websites to people, and um, we did everything on Dreamweaver. Because that was awesome. That was all the hotness back then. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't make any money because no one wanted to buy websites from two 16-year-old high school kids. But it was still fun. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just kind of been interested in it ever since. Awesome. Did you say you had a lot of skills back then for websites? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you to use Dreamweaver. <laughs> Can't hate on Dreamweaver. They still make that, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Well, they just came out with a new new thing, yeah, Adobe CC or something. What's that? Okay. Uh, I've never even heard of it. No, no, I know what the Creative Cloud is, but I thought no, they no, it's like a special. New, oh, it's a new, yeah, they just that's how long it's been since I've worked with. I mean, I have a few Adobe products installed. Okay. Yeah, definitely Photoshop Edition. That's how I edit the podcast. Uh, you don't use GarageBand? No, that's an app. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Oops, Sarah's from Apple. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? What what was your kind of kick into front end development? Um, what was my funny my kick into front end development? So I started back in probably 1997. Um, I was actually in school for architecture, and I had to do a report on something. I don't remember what it was, but that was back when GeoCities was a thing. <laughs> So I went to a couple of GeoCities pages and viewed Source and kind of copied that. And I was like, this is way more fun than architecture. Uh, but back then, you know, that was when we had IE3 and Netscape and writing JavaScript sucked. Like, it was just terrible. You had this little yellow exclamation point and clicked on that and it said, like, I, don't know, I don't remember what the messages were, but they were terrible. So in the beginning of my career, I hated JavaScript. and. I was a cold fusion developer, and that's kind of where I thought the bee's knees was at the time. Um, I think right around the time jQuery came out, I was like, holy crap, this is actually pretty fun. I can 
make these interfaces that are fun to use and make them look better and make them much more interactive. And I fell in love at that point, and I, I haven't looked back since then. So probably, what was that? I don't know what year that was anymore, but I mean, a while now. When was GeoCities done? Well, this was, so, you know, jQuery, that's when. Oh, that's jQuery, when I yeah. So, was it nine? Was it eight? Yes. So, uh, uh, maybe be a little earlier. Ah, uh, no, it's probably about that. Yeah, I think that's, that's when it was, so. That's when I fell in love with product development. Nice. Jim, how about yourself? Let's see. Way back when. No, um, my first job out of school was at a healthcare company, and I was doing PHP and JavaScript. So did a lot of that, and I was like, this is so much better than this boring job that I'm doing. And it's just, I found it was more satisfying. So I can build something and then see it, and then I can show it to somebody, versus if I was writing C or something, check out this cool algorithm I built, and it runs in like half the time of the previous one, and people are like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> But front end, it's like, I can build this thing, and I can show it to my parents, and I can show it to my friends, and they, like, it's, vaguely understand what I'm doing. It's the mom factor. You it can say, hey, factor. mom, I created this, and you can show them. It's true. Yeah. Parents you show them that, they think you have tons of skills. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I show my mom something, she's like, oh, she, you know, and I told her it took, like, months to build. She's like, oh, I guess I just don't, I don't understand. <laughs> she thinks it's like PowerPoint where you just drag everything into the screen. And it's... I don't think my mom knows what I do. No, it's like to this day, I don't think she understands what I do. Yeah. When I, I actually, when I first moved out to Silicon Valley, she was like, why? I was, I was working at Evernote at the time or I'd gotten a job there and she was like, why would they hire you? And I was like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, you know, kind of confused. Like, what does that mean? She's like, well, they already have an app. Well, what are you going to go do with that? <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of, okay, uh, all right, whatever, mom. Uh, but I, used, I said to her, like, in response was, well, what about a car company? They have cars, but they're creating new ones all the time. It's like, we're, we're upgrading, we're doing new features, we're bettering anything for our users. Like, there's a lot of things that we're trying to do. But, yeah, that's, I don't think she gets it. Parents will never get it. They're no. so far behind on technology. I told my mom I got a job at Netflix. You know what her response was? Oh, you couldn't get a job at Google? And I was like, thanks, mom. Thanks. I was like, Netflix is pretty good, too. You know, like, Pretty good? Okay. <laughs> I told my mom I got a job at LinkedIn. I think her response was something along the lines of, are they going to be around for a little while? <laughs> she, you're now friends with her on LinkedIn, though. Yeah. Well, that's the reason she got a LinkedIn account. Yeah, shit. Does she have a lot of people? I'm, I am raising our, our yeah, member base. Nice. Yeah. One, one family member. One family member at a time. My parents' response was, do we get a discount? <laughs> well, I don't get a discount. But. So you're like, you're not getting one. You're like, that Apple Watch is still going to cost you money. So, Sarah, how, how did you get it started? Um, so I'm going to have a really different story to tell you guys, because I've been doing this for, like, no longer than three years. So, like, I don't even know the pain of border radius before border radius. That's awesome, though. Yeah. Um, yes, a snow day when we lived on the East Coast was when I first sat down and wrote my first HTML, CSS. And since then, uh, I went to a boot camp, graduated, and first job at Talking about a little over a year in. So you're like fully seasoned now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I started, I would say my first experience with like HTML, um, doing anything like that was definitely like Ryan. GeoCities was an early thing. Those like fire animated GIFs, amazing. Uh, I was like big into like graffiti art and street art, things like that. So I was like, oh, well, like I've got to share these photos somehow. And built my, probably my first like, Angel Fire, GeoCities, I can't remember, one of the two built a site for that. That's where I got first into it. But I would say then when I started actually working, I was big into Flash. I did a lot of Flash development, AS2, AS3, and then something happened to Flash. It's no longer cool. And yeah, definitely, definitely jumped into, uh, front end development with that. So yeah. It was a little bit. Sorry, it's all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you ever go back in the Internet Archives and try to look at your GeoCities or Agentfire pages? No. Do they still exist? Somebody just did that recently at work. Um, Wow. I've tried to look at mine in the archive. One of the lowest developers, and it was like all kinds of epic. Like, he shared it with the entire interactive development team. That's awesome. I, I don't think I would even know what to look for, to be honest. Like, I have no idea. 
what I would have called it or anything, but it's not worth searching for. I think I was driving a Chevy Z24 at the time. It was a fancy Cavalier. Um, so <laughs> nice. I had a webpage that was devoted to Z24s. Oh, awesome. Was it like the ones with like rims on it and like lowered and spoilers? Not a lot of people did that to their Cavaliers. So it was pretty much a oh, stock man, I saw Cavaliers. That. <laughs> so what you're saying is you guys don't have these websites on your LinkedIn profiles? Definitely not. I wish I did. I'm totally I don't doing. know if I would have a job today. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask us if we had those skills on our profile. Yeah, <laughs> GeoCity skills. All right, let's go all under each other. That's that's uh that's uh something recruiters are actively looking for, right? All, yeah. all of the frameworks. All of the frameworks. All of them. They're also looking for ten years of React experience. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're good on that. I'm really disappointed that no one got their interest in uh, web development from MySpace. But I mean, GeoCity's uh, Angel Fire. That was all season four by MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> We were already coding in our fire gifts, and we were already past that. <laughs> Dancing baby gifts. Dancing baby gifts. Oh, remember the under construction gifts? Those were oh, yeah. Those were the I best. I love the sites that you would go to for, like, years. Like, it was, like, under construction, coming soon. Too lazy to finish my books. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of switching gears, too, and we, we touched on it a bit. Uh, I know Sarah had mentioned going to a boot camp, but I'm interested, like, what kind of schooling have you guys done for... Maybe it's not necessarily front-end specific, but for development or what kind of led you to actually where you are today, Derek, what are you? So I went to school for journalism, so that's why I'm here on podcast. Awesome. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about web development. At all. <laughs> uh, no, so um, see, I uh, went to, I got an associate's degree after a bachelor's degree in journalism. Well, did, I was kind of all over the place, but anyhow, um, I think that, you know, for me, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more as we go, but uh, for me, I learned I did do something so that I got something on paper um, and could get a first job. But I remember my first job as uh, a developer, I was like over, like I was just completely overwhelmed. But I learned so much during that first year that much more than I learned in any sort of like official formal education. Um, it was very, very stressful. You know, I come home thinking there's no way that I can do this, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, I was at an agency too, so just like constantly having bad things thrown at me, and uh, just learned that one. Yeah, sure, but I was actually at a bunch of agencies as well, and you learn quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so I went to school for architecture, actually, um, and then one day I decided to write out a paper as a web page, and not even halfway through that, I'm like, I'm doing the wrong thing. This is way more fun writing web pages. So, yeah, then I just kind of took off, and I was mostly self-taught, you know, just reading books and blog posts and anything I get my hands on. Uh, and then now, actually, I'm going to school still to get my formal CS degree. Uh, I started this before I got a job at Netflix and Silicon Valley, but um, it's really interesting to kind of go back and, and get that foundation that I always wish I had that I never really had. But, you know, for, for what I do, a lot of the stuff I'm learning probably doesn't pertain a lot to it, but it's still still fun to learn it. That's, yeah, that's a cool idea. <clears throat> still a lot of new skills and things. Jeb, how about yourself? Um, what skills do you have, Jeb? <laughs> <laughs> how did you learn those skills? <laughs> do we do we should double cheers. Yeah. Double cheers. We should have some sort of throttle on skills though. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. We don't have one, so <laughs> This is going to turn the front end sloppy all over. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I did the grind for five years and got a CS degree. Didn't do much front end work in CS. It was very theory. So a lot of database, a lot of algorithms, a lot of Java. Uh, so most of like my front end skills. I was trying not you, to say it. I was really trying not to say it. I, I, I feel like you were trying to. Yeah, it's really, really hard to hold back there. There's no other word, guys. It's got to be. Yeah, what, what word? What word's that? So most of my front-end uh, talents were self-taught. Awesome. Do you find, like, the CS degree helped you obviously have some principles towards what that? I'd say so. There's things you run into just... Even anecdotally of passing like big O or like how to write efficient sorting algorithm, just understanding all that and how even uh like how compilers work, stuff like that, that's pretty useful. But 
I think you can get pretty far in front of him without a degree, and we have some very talented people at Netflix that have a degree, so it's debatable about that, if, for specifically front-end development, whether CS degrees work. I think that um, one thing that is not having a CS degree, one thing that I feel like I'm somewhat at a disadvantage at is just speaking the same language sometimes, because there's a lot of concepts and stuff like that that I didn't, um, you know, that I didn't necessarily learn in school, so I feel like Everybody, there's a lot of people that are looking to to use terminology and stuff like that to to to, to explain themselves. It usually comes from like a CS type background, so that's what I feel is Yeah, actually, I'd agree with that as well. Uh, I I feel like I didn't have a CS degree either. I actually did end up going to I went to like a college for like a really like a new course that was on development. I started thinking going through it in actually wanting to be a designer, which is hilarious, and like went through art history, all these types of things. And when I started actually coding, I was like, no, 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 this is way cooler than actual design. But yeah, there's sometimes I kind of agree with that is that I've actually gone and like read CS books and things like that to actually learn more about the concepts. Because uh, my, my course was more, you know, you learned how to code, you learned some concepts, but it didn't go in depth. It was actually more focused on web development, uh, which was great because that ends up like what I love doing. But I, th I think sometimes it does help to have those CS understanding and concepts to actually help you in your day to day. I would say the only good the good thing out of it comes out of it sometimes is it forces you. I think you just have to be okay with just uh, taking the risk that somebody's going to think that you're you're less intelligent because you don't know what a certain so uh, for me, I, I don't. Know, I'll just, I'll just ask what sure what that means. And I mean, you can't know everything anyway, <laughs> yeah, so it is worth asking the questions. That's for sure. Uh, Sarah, and you know, actually being newer, so it's interesting to hear being at a boot camp that's fairly new, actually. Mm -hmm. in I think only been around a few years, I think. But yeah, I think they're celebrating their depth count specifically. They're coming up on four years. That's pretty impressive. Like it. And they've, and more and more have popped up since then too. And mm -hmm. like, I've actually been impressed with how many, how much knowledge people gain just from going to that. How long was the course too? Um, so it was nine weeks remote, nine weeks on site, and then, uh, a week of like pimp your LinkedIn profile and like careers coaching and whatnot. Um, like my mind was so saturated with stuff. I don't know how much I retained, but there's definitely stuff that like, as I talk to like peers and go to meetups and whatnot, like, like, oh, yeah, I, I've heard of this. I might not know it in, like, any depth, but they cover, like, so much material in a short space of time that I don't think anybody can, like, absorb that much, especially in that kind of living environment. But that's why they're designed that way to be inclusive. So there's, like, retention might not be 100%, but you definitely, like, have that trigger as, mm -hmm. like, we go. I haven't, like written any kind of like extensive javascript that's looking to like use that kind of like pattern but i know what it is so i think that's the cool thing too is it sounds like you're getting the building blocks to understand mm -hmm. and maybe almost pick the areas that you need to focus on to in order to get those skills and yeah. continue that <laughs> do they teach you at a it's kind of what yeah <laughs> um so it is uh ruby on rails um, is their primary stack. Um, there's other boot camps out there that are, you know, close that JavaScript. There's other ones that touch like so much stuff. Um, and I know people that have gone through those ones to speak highly of them. For me, knowing like every day was like a huge, like uphill battle. Being there 12 hours a day, learning stuff that you sometimes are like, what the heck is going on kind of thing. Like for those people that went through boot camps that touch a lot of tech is like crazy to me because I know just focusing on one how like intensive that was. And I was eight weeks into the experience before I was like, um, I want to be a front end developer. But I also got a lot out of just the experience. They teach you a lot of, you know, empathy. Um, Derek was talking about, you know, when he first started that he was struggling with, why am I doing this? Can I even do this? And they teach you a lot of how to, like, deal with that. And I think coming into a workspace where people are so smart, there's a lot of, you know, self-doubt. And being able to manage that is 
pretty valuable on its own on top of, you know, coming in and having worked on projects in teams. And, um, I don't, I can't speak for a college degree because I didn't do it, but I don't know how much of that exposure you get, you know, building applications and contributing as part of a team. Uh, like everything we did was that kind of process. Here's an app, you and a team build it. Next week, new app, you and a team build it. Yeah. That's great. I think the self-doubt thing is a really good thing to teach you because, I mean, we, I was going to say we all go through that. I don't think it's something that you lose. Like, the the imposter syndrome is a legit thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's happens to us all the time. It doesn't matter how senior you are. I think it's something that is hard to overcome. And, yeah, I think it's it's funny because, yeah, you think of someone being junior and starting out is going to have that more. But I still have it today. Like yeah. it still happens. You talk to someone here, like, "Wow, you're brilliant. You know way more than me." Or going to a new company, you're like, "Oh, they they definitely know more than me." And it it is something you have to overcome. It's not easy. No, and it's invigorating. I I find a way to kind of turn that inside out and make that imposter syndrome make me want to work harder or learn more things. Well, yeah, you should be learning from them. Yeah. That's kind of the exact like process they teach you is like recognizing the kind of onset of these like downward spirals into like completely shut down and how to like stop yourself getting there because once you get there it's even worse and so being able to recognize the onset and find like what kind of personality you have um and a lot of the theories they teach you are based on Freud and I'm not like super like knowledgeable about it but the stuff they spoke to was really interesting um what kind of a personality you have and um so these are likely things that will cause you triggers so these are how you can combat them um so for me just having that alone like i'm my own worst enemy and i think a lot of people probably have the same like kind of feeling when they like get into that kind of a situation that like just trying to be able to tackle that and just continue to be productive especially in interview situations like like shutting down in an interview um like being able to on the spot like withdraw from that situation to be able to keep pushing forward it's it's really good thing to know when you were uh going through the boot camp too i i hear you have a pretty smart husband that's a front-end engineer yeah uh did he help you at all um he was around as definitely a support but he's not a rails engineer so you know he (laughs) was he was helping me think through the problem at the same time as we were learning it together and so we're like the ultimate nerd couple. Like we go home, we write code. The weekend we go to a cafe, we write code. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so for for our listeners, uh, Derek and Sarah are actually married. So that's you know tying those things together. And yeah, Derek is a smart guy, and I, I kind of figured that might help uh, help out some of the concepts at least. You know, it's actually interesting because um, just it it kind of gives me some perspective. Like I like it, it's fun. Like I like um, working together on stuff because it's like. There's, it's just thinking about things in a different way of like trying to like figure out how to explain things sometimes and like, um, and it's fun, like, and, and vice versa, like, we learn from each other. You know, actually, you guys were bringing up a good point on it, um, just the other day, I had a shower thought. And there was, it, it's. We need music for this. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel <laughs> like there needs to be like a shower music. Gem's sh- shower thought. It's a reoccurring theme, so um, I think it's like yeah. my thing. Yeah. It's my personal like brand. It. You know, I love just it. like Ryan, you know, I got it can be it up. can be like maybe like split up the show a little bit, you know, in the middle we'll just have this music playing. And uh-huh. They all left the room. Yes. I'm just gonna keep going. Shout <laughs> I, I'm upset we don't have Brian Holt on today because his voice oh, he, he he killed oh, that yeah. on the Maybe you should just have him record a soundbite. We probably could pull it from the previous (laughs) episode. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Jim, on shower thoughts. This literally happens every time on shower thoughts. (laughs) That's why it's the best. Uh, No, but it's it's what separates a good engineer from just someone who can like copy paste from Stack Overflow is it's the grind, you know. And I'll say that's one thing I got a CS degree is like. You just grind on a problem for hours, and it sounds like in that that coding school or the boot camp, like you definitely learned that. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what being a good engineer is like. You just have to you hit that problem, you're stuck on it. You have to know like where to look, who to ask, and like when to give up, and just be like, "Well, here's a workaround." But I've seen a lot of boot camps, and they don't teach the grind. They teach you like, "Here's an application. Here's a Minesweeper in uh, Ruby or something." Yeah. And I interview these people, and 
they they don't they don't have it because like they miss a lot of concepts and they miss like now you got to go home you got to keep grinding on these hard problems to run into you can't just like give up just on a stack overflow. Yeah, well, I think that it kind of brings up a good point too is that just going and doing schooling or you know whether it be a boot camp or anything like that it's not really you're not done it's like it's never ending it's like you're always trying to learn and grow and you go to the school i think sometimes maybe i don't know if the concept i think sometimes people get sold on oh yeah you'll go to this boot camp and you're you know learn all this uh development and then you're done but it's not the case even if you have a cs degree or you have any type of schooling or you self-taught you're you're still self-taught like you keep going i just want to touch on one thing that you said about the boot camp thing um i think it's it's very interesting to think about like these boot camps are trying to the flip side of this, right? These boot camps are trying to make money. So I think a lot of them are trying to sell come learn web development in twelve weeks and make a shit ton more money. Um gotcha. You know? And um it's interesting and I'm curious on everyone else's thoughts too. Like I think when you take it and it doesn't matter if it's CS degree, any sort of college education, you think of that as a journey, right? You think of that as like all right, I'm going to go back to school or I'm out of high school. I'm going to go to school. And then that doesn't mean that I'm going to have a job right out of college. It just means like I'm sort of starting on this career path. Whereas it, it seems like sometimes the, um, the thought behind some of these boot camps are, okay, I hate my job, but in 12 months I can get a new job where I'm making a lot more money. And, Double uh, or triple. <laughs> and it's not that way, you know? So I'm just, that's, that's kind of, I think, the flip side of these boot camps. It's just, I guess it's just really what you put into it. Sarah, she's put in to like she's committed to learning past that. That makes sense. It's like you you get a lot of even what we're saying is you get those building blocks and you yeah. know these concepts, and it's like on you to kind of challenge those and learn more. And you know, I know you, actually you've done hackathons, I know before, and yeah. those types of things are challenging. It's like you have those skills in order to. <laughs> so on that note. How do you guys stay up to date and learn and constantly learn new frameworks, technologies, different things like that? How do you find the easiest way to stay up to date while you're working a full-time job? I'm interested to hear everybody else's, because uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting to hear how people learn. And like, for me, I, I like to watch videos. The problem is I don't have a lot of time for videos, but I'm definitely more of a visual learner. So I learn a ton more by watching than I do reading, just not. But, um, but the problem is reading's a lot easier because it can be done almost anywhere. So one of the big things I do is just follow as many things as I can. I, I went from like R, uh, RSS with Google Reader and then when that got shut down, I transitioned pretty much to Twitter and, um, and uh, just try to just keep up to date that way with just um, following people that I think everyone does this, but just following people that I respect and look up to and taking uh, what they have to say. My go-to is... Uh... I like to speak at meetups or conferences because it makes me learn something. And I generally like that I always speak on topics that I'm interested in personally, not just here's a topic that will get me into a conference, but here's something that's interesting to me. And I really have to dig in and like understand that because people are going to ask me questions and I need to know it. And that's like a way that I stay on top of things because, I mean, I always say I want to do more side projects, but I never have time. I just get lost doing something else, but... If you have a conference, you have a deadline, you have a meetup that you're going to speak at, or even like a small presentation at work, you're going to know that, and you're going to know it very well. And I think it's an awesome way, for me personally, to stay on top of technology. So on that, do you, when you're choosing to submit a talk, have a deadline to submit the talk or outline that you're doing, do you submit that before you're, you have an idea of like what you're speaking on? Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I generally have a, a pretty solid outline before I submit a talk, but... It's definitely, it'll be, always be something that I'm not as familiar with. For instance, last year we met at uh, React Rally, and I didn't know that much of S6 or S Next, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, but I bought two books on it, and I studied the mess out of that. And I knew it, and now I know I look back at my hand, and had I not done that, I'd still be like catching up with everybody else. Well, I'm being in the audience, I was like, this guy knows ES6. Like, he knows this, like, to a T. So, you, you sold me on it. That, yeah, that's what I was going for. So, you had ES6 skills. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think different mediums promote different kinds of learning for me. Like when I go to a conference, I get excited about new technologies and want to go back and write a bunch of code right away. Uh, you know, I subscribe to a, a ton of newsletters and 
that's a great way to, to find out new techniques and things I'm already kind of diving into. But I don't get as inspired like I would at a conference. Like at a conference when I meet people and talk to people, it's a completely different feeling from when I, I see something on a newsletter. And same thing about Twitter. Twitter introduces me to a lot of new topics or gives me new ways to think about problems that I'm trying to solve. New frameworks like Redux. I think I first read about that on, on Twitter when someone talked about it. But I think there's just so many different ways to get information. And there's each one of these ways has different benefits, I guess. So I don't think you can just do one thing or the other and, and get a full picture of all the new stuff that's coming out or you know, new ways to, to learn things. And I found in in uh, all my jobs, there's always that one person who's like the technophile. And they're like, hey, have you heard this latest thing that just came out? And every job, I guarantee at your job, unless you work at like a three-man startup, uh, and in that case, you're probably that person, but... Every single company has that person. Like, find that person and make friends with them because they know and they'll just like filter things for you. Twitter is fantastic. That's a fantastic resource. The noise is pretty high there, unfortunately. Yeah, because like, know what to look for. yeah, because the filter on it. There'll be an article on why React is dead. You're like, oh, React dead. I guess this is going nowhere. And someone else will be like, now there's an article on why React is is thriving and wants the newest hotness. So the filter is pretty high on Twitter, but it is very useful. I mean, you have 140 characters for clickbait, so mm. it's, that can eat into that. I think clickbait is my biggest weakness, too. I'm such a sucker for clickbait. And I see it, I'm like, oh, shit, I gotta click that. <laughs> but it's always good to get, to read stuff that's over the top, and there's always something that you could probably take away from it or learn from it. or Even when it's to the extreme. Yep, even if it's good or bad. Yeah, so, it, it's, it's something to rethink, and Medium is probably one of the big ones for that I always see as, like, who can make the best clickbait title and then be controversial in that article? I don't know how LinkedIn's going to compete with Medium, but they once in a while, through again a lot of noise, they'll have something that really grabs me, and you know then I'll invest the time I need it. But for me, it's writing code. I have a really badass accountability buddy that like makes sure that we you know invest in each other, and it's really sad. We, we, we do spend a lot of our evenings and weekends writing code. I am the first person to read a book. I actually like, um, can I name drop this guy the second week in a row? Cal Simpson. You don't know JL. It's like totally on my level. I like reading it. I enjoy reading it. But I'm at the point now where like I need to just stop reading and just go out and build things. And so like the biggest thing I fight is like, well, what am I going to build? And like, just pick it up. It doesn't matter if it exists. Just build it. And so, it's it's stupid, but it just want to read a book. And reading the book isn't gonna have me implementing all these things that I'm reading. And so that's like where I'm not retaining the stuff that I'm learning. I also I'm a huge fan of Girl Develop It, and I've gotten a lot of networking opportunities out of attending their JavaScript classes specifically. And what is it? It's Focused on women, but I've definitely seen um, guys show up to them. But um, it's all over the country. There's learning opportunities. So they'll do, you know, anything from HTML, CSS classes, JavaScript, and the JavaScript starts like, you know, 101 basics all the way up to frameworks, Angular, you know, even the different classes that they have between Oakland, San Francisco, and San Jose. The curriculums are slightly different. I believe they're working to standardize some of that stuff. Just getting out there and being a woman in tech is a whole different, you know, podcast episode. But being around like badass women engineers that just want to get into the field, it's very inspiring and it's, you know, taught by women for women. And, you know, I've made a couple of really solid friends that I'm still in touch with now. I'm just through attending those classes after graduating from Debt Bootcamp, just to A, keep my skills sharp. Um, but be not being ashamed of reaching out to people that you meet at meetups and through just friends. I think like that's really valuable, and you shouldn't be ashamed to leverage the people that you make connections with. Um, I like that actually. It's you should never be scared to ask the questions. Sometimes I think we fear asking those questions. Totally. Oh shit! I don't know this, but. Sometimes asking those questions, it's getting over that fear of asking a question and getting 
to learn from something that's so valuable. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't worry about not knowing everything. We all at this table know different points that someone else does not know, and it's really difficult to know everything. You can't. So someone else is going to know something more or better than you, and you just have to rely on them. And I think yeah. that's a good way to put that. Like, you were one of the first people I spoke to after I graduated. Yeah, yeah, you, that's true. You spoke to me about SAS, and you spoke to me about Grunt. I didn't know what they were then, <laughs> but now I use them every day. So he taught you about some skills of mm-hmm. development? So oh, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite skill for out of those? Wait, your favorite skill? You use the Z? Skills. SAS is super powerful. Like, I love... I wish I wrote more ground up SAS, and that's probably on me for not doing it on stuff that I work on personally, but I just like that you can, everything can be reusable. Like, you don't have to write the same code over and over again anymore, and the same thing with, like, Grunt and Gulp. You can build these tasks that take the mundane, repetitive um, work out of writing code, do it one time, and then it might be a headache to set it up. Automation. Awesome. <laughs> JavaScript tools. I'm gonna drink that anyway. <laughs> I think that um, I think that one thing maybe we could talk about for for a couple of minutes is is what advice we would give to people that are starting up. We're, we're already starting to touch on that a little bit, but I think it's interesting because we talk about like who to follow on Twitter or or, or um, like speaking at conferences. But I think if you're starting, obviously that's probably not something that you're gonna know inherently, like who to follow or maybe not like know what conferences that you want to speak at, what topics you want to speak on. So just well, curious. That's actually a really good point too, is even starting, I think you're not necessarily going to know who to follow. Like say t- Twitter is a great place. I-, I think we all can agree that we learn a lot from that. And yeah, you may have to sift through certain things to actually learn from it, but I actually find even hashtags is a good way is like, you might be able to learn from that and, you know, be able to find other groups of people talking about a certain thing, like JavaScript, even just following that hashtag, you might actually be able to learn something from that. So aside from hashtags, what other ways on Twitter or other aspects, how else can other people learn and stay up to date? How do you guys all do that? I think uh, something that Sarah mentioned is is interesting is just building stuff, like because it gives you the opportunity to find what you don't know and to and to then look into that more maybe. You know, there's 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 definitely advantages in reading up on stuff and, and, and following people on Twitter and using um, uh, watching videos on like code school treehouse and stuff like that. But I think there's then you, you you at some point need to take that and apply that or you're just going to learn concepts and then you're I think you're just at a point where you're just memorizing shit and um, you're not really understanding like how that concept then gets put into real life like how do you actually put those skills to work? And that's the situation I use skills. That's the situation I kind of find myself in is that I can talk about a lot of concepts, but can I like actually like apply that code? That's kind of where I found myself more recently. And so, yeah, like I was just saying that I kind of got really stuck on like, well, what can I build? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, just build, like build a calculator, like build... Like, I have a sit-stand desk. They're telling you you should, you know, stand for 20 minutes of every hour, like, write an application that will, you know, send you a notification to stand up. There, there's so many things, like, just because it's been done doesn't mean you can't redo it. And it's, like, it's some weird things to get your head around a little bit. Especially as a new person, like, somebody already made this and it's better. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're doing this for you. The most important thing for any newcomer to front-end engineering or front-end development is to stay curious, right? Ask questions. Go out there and seek knowledge. Don't ever be satisfied with what you know. You know, front-end engineering especially is a continually evolving field. There's always something new to learn, always something new out there. There's new frameworks, new ideas, new patterns. So stay curious and then, you know, don't listen to people when they tell you you're wrong or tell you it has to be done this way. You know, form your own opinions because there's always someone that's going to tell you the way you're doing it is wrong. There's a better way. But, you know, think for yourself. Don't follow exactly what everyone else tells you. Yeah, and I think it can be, like, very overwhelming sometimes. So I think but staying curious is really important because you can get very tainted to, like, they're just, just I'm never going to be able to learn this. I'm never going to be able to master all this. I can't build that because there's so much I need to learn in order to even get 
close to being able to build it's that. Not a skill to me. Not a skill. But uh, one of the one of the um, best things I've ever heard about front end development and and just engineering software engineering in general is like the biggest skill, the biggest one of the skills. <laughs> Just being able to figure it out, like that's, and I think that's what's what's so um, important about um, about doing, just going, just going for it, because that's the single most important quality. Like it doesn't matter how much you know, it's just about just being able to just sit down and just figure it out. Maybe it takes you months, maybe it takes you days, depending on where you're at. But yeah, there's definitely just no one way to solve a problem. I mean. I do a lot of interviewing on Netflix, and I give a variety of different questions, but I've never gotten anything remotely close to the same answer to a question. There's so many different ways to do things, and that's what makes you know this so much fun. There is no exact right answer to a lot of problems, and there's so much creativity involved. If I do, and during an interview, get a question that or an answer that's exactly like the way that I you know have it solved, or kind of like a cheat sheet on like the best possible way. So I'm like, okay, that question must be on Glassdoor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the point is, you know, just, I'd rather them solve it in, in a way, even if it's not the best way, I'd rather them solve it in a way where they're actually thinking about it themselves and like thinking through the problem. Totally. I think it's important to also uh, find a company that aligns with your own personal goals. So if you're a new grad and you're applying for a job, and somebody's saying, hey, we're using Backbone and jQuery 1.3. Like, you have to ask yourself, is this company, when I leave, going to put me ahead? Or am I going to be stuck with, like, these antiquated skills that I'm really going to spend a lot of time at home brushing up when I leave? Do you think it's true that anyone can code? Is that a fair statement? Is it something that people can learn, grow? Any background, do you think anyone can code? I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I mean, if they have the skills. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> skills are the most important part. Well, we have to cheers to that. Oh, here. Oh. All right, so can anyone actually code? Is it a fair statement to say that anyone actually has a potential to code? They're now teaching kids in elementary schools, which is awesome <laughs> yeah. to code. Um, so I think with that said, I think anyone can code. I think it's, it's more of a state of mind than it is um, an ability. You know, I, I think people tend to put this whole stigma on programmers as being smart and nerdy, but I think that's just a stereotype. You know, I don't think that you have to be nerdy. You just have to have the mindset for it. I think anybody can code, but I think it takes a certain type of person to enjoy coding. I think you need to enjoy coding to be good at it. You have to love what you're doing. You have to have fun coding. Otherwise, you're just going to be miserable. Which is true, I think, with any... any yeah, question, and right? I, think like, I think to segue yeah. on that point, it's like, I think you have to persevere through that whole, like, imposter syndrome stuff we talked about earlier, like, the not knowing, like, why am I doing this? It's just, like, a huge mistake. Like, you, I think you have to persevere through that for a certain amount of time until, like, you know enough to get to the point where it becomes enjoyable. Um, because I think it's a very easy part point to give up is that when you start hitting those walls and it becomes a struggle, that that's probably when a lot of people change their mind and decide that it's not for them. But like for our generation, I think that like so many people had MySpace accounts and probably didn't even realize they were writing code to customize their MySpace accounts. Like everyone did. Like that that's how you did it. Put that music on, put that uh, background <laughs> image, yeah. Yeah, but you have to enjoy that journey. Too. Sure. You have to enjoy the grind because the grind is a big part of this and it has to be fun. You have to hit that problem and be like, I'm going to solve this problem. I don't care what it takes. It's and totally hard work and you, you do have to like stick with it. But when, when you finally figure something out, like that sense of achievement, like I've not gotten that work in restaurants. Like you don't get that. So I'm going to go. Similar, but I'm going to say no. Not everybody can code because can anybody make a web page? Sure. Can anybody like sure. no. copy paste something from Stack Overflow get to run? Sure. But are you going to be like a great coder if you don't have a passion for it? Just like all you guys said, absolutely not. You you were going to fail and you should quit now. I hate to say it, but if you if you don't have the passion to like do that grind to do that like 1 a.m. trying to solve this one line of code that you can't figure out working, you're not going to be good at your job, and you'll you're not going to work at Netflix. You're not going to work at Apple or LinkedIn without that passion. If you're just in this for the money, which 
that's probably one of my problems with some of the boot camps out there. Just like, oh yeah, switch careers and make a hundred grand. Like, if you're in it for the money, you're gonna fail. And it's just like, can you get like a um, I don't know, like a code factory job? You're just like making snips of stuff and you just copied it from the internet somewhere. Sure, is that fulfilling? No, I, I don't think uh, that that's a path to success. And I think anybody saying otherwise is setting people up for failure. So I guess what you're also getting at, too, is that you can't even just do a training in school. It's like you actually have to be passionate about what you're doing. Absolutely. And Sarah is the perfect case. You can tell when she talks, she's passionate about it. She wants to do better, work at big companies or work at any company where she can, like, embrace that passion. And if you don't have that and you're coming out of a coding boot camp and you're just like, that was tough. And... uh that sucks. But lucky I'm done. Yeah, where's my paycheck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that you were in for a very, very, very bad time. Like I don't think that anyone's not able to if they have that passion. I don't think anyone's not able to do it. Like only people sometimes think, oh, it's just I just can't do this. But I, I totally agree. I think it's just all about passion, which I think is true with any career. You know, I think that coding is big right now because it is tech is is booming, right? So like everyone looks at, everyone wants to code because they can make, uh, they, can, they can get a good paycheck. But I guess the good question to ask is, would any of us still want to write code if we were making half as much? You know, I would do it for I, free. Yeah. I would do it for free. And so that, do, I think we, we all do it for yeah. free, right? Yeah, <laughs> we do. I mean, I love submitting stuff for open source. Yeah. And honestly, if one person finds it useful, that to me is like fulfilling. I learned something writing that code and if someone else finds it useful, that's like, to me, that's awesome. Like, I, I, I feel so rewarded at that point, almost more than getting a paycheck. And I've, I've hired, like, junior developers who lack the skills, I felt, but they had the passion, they had that fire that I said, this person is going to succeed, and I'm going to help them, so I'm going to do that. And that's also good advice if you're a junior developer, like, show you a passion, and that enough can carry you through a lot of an interview. Often, you, you feel no answer to the question, but... You say, hey, I'm hungry to learn. Say, so, yeah. I've, I, totally, I I've totally hired people because of that. Is You can hire someone who knows something, and that's great. But if they're not willing to learn more, that can be a stopping point there. But someone who's willing to really learn and constantly grow and be hungry for that, that's a big selling point. I think it's a huge issue if they, I don't care how, like, you can be a 10x engineer if you're not willing to know if you're not willing to learn anything about that, I think that's a huge issue. Sure. Because you're, you're only going to go, especially in web development, when things are changing so fast. Like, there's no way you're going to be... You're gonna, yeah. It's about time to wrap up today's episode, but first, let's share our picks. For this episode, we have a special one that actually Ryan has shared an idea where we talk about the recent music that we've been listening to while we code. Derek, you want to kick us off with... Uh, what's, what's the last thing you were listening to while you're coding? So I'm a little bit odd, I guess, when it comes to this, because I really listen to a lot of, like, well, actually, I'm just kind of lazy, because I always I always will open up uh, iTunes and, like, figure out something on Apple Music to listen to, but then I'm like, okay, five after five seconds, I'm like, I don't have time for this, and then I just turn on, um, I usually just go with Beats 1, or, like, I go to the Chill Out station, or I don't listen to any music and just continue to wear my headphones, and I just pretend like I listen to this a little bit. I love that. So people, <laughs> yeah. they, and I can they still, do. It's like the best of both worlds. I can still hear people's conversations. <laughs> Man, Derek um, sucks. Yeah. 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 yeah, he can't hear it. Yeah. It's like noise canceling headphones. Yeah, he don't he hear just told the world he's not a team player. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, what are you listening to now? I think this week I'm listening to a lot of Massive Attack. Awesome the song Angel. And when I hear that, and I'll, I'll just be quoting gently, you know. By the end of the song, I'm smashing my keys. <laughs> and and it's a good uh, song. That's a great song to quote, too. I think it's perfect. Uh, what's my go-to? Uh, my go-to is Explosion in the Sky. Um, their first album, How Strange It Is. It's like, that if I'm, I'm like, I'm about to grind here. Put on this album, leave me alone. I'll knock it out. I also have a pick this week, because I thought we were doing picks still. Um, my pick is Scotland Jazz. I'll be speaking there in June. On some really, really awesome stuff. I'm pretty pumped about it. I think, what are you, service workers on that? or Service what? workers, uh, yes, next, and the future JavaScripts. It's yes. gotta be fantastic. And if you're in Europe, anywhere, I think React's, uh, conference is actually the same weekend, but 
If you didn't get ticks to that, which you probably did, because they're really hard to get to, you come to Scotland, yes, and I'll buy you a beer. Or, what are you in Scotland? Scotch! Oh, Scotch! <laughs> yeah! That's a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys later. Sarah, what about you? I'm a massive Broadway nerd, so right now I'm learning every word to Hamilton. Uh, yeah. You say nice during the week. <laughs> oh no! I'm like, actually recorded listening to that soundtrack. Every before. every opportunity I can find to like drop Hamilton in like conversation and an I am like just in everyday life, I will do that. It's amazing. It's in San Francisco next March. Um, oh really? Yes. I kind of get tickets to it. It's like sold out to whatever for the next millennium. Yeah, yeah. it's kicking off its national tour in March. It's here for 21 weeks next year. This world all I, I was looking at some of the stuff that are listened to while I've been coding. I've enjoyed Tycho, which is actually a San Francisco. He's our local. Um, and then Comeback Kid, which is kind of like punk band, um, which I think is out of Winnipeg, uh, in Canada. Love it. It's like very heavy, but sometimes like that, that just gets me in the zone. So it's probably one of the last ones I listened to. All right. So to close everything off, let's go around and where can people get in touch with you? Derek? So, Twitter, yeah. um, at Derek Showers on Twitter. Not on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah, I actually don't have a LinkedIn account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Ryan. kidding, I just don't want you to have the, the pay to send me an email. <laughs> Ryan, how about you? I think you did kick us so off I have a this Twitter bit. account that um, you might, may or may not have heard about. I've never um, heard of it. Well, it's, it's actually Bittersweet Ryan. I'm Jem Young on Twitter. It's just at Jem Young. Easy. Uh, if you tweet me a picture of the dogs, I will send you free stickers. Nice. Oh. Front end happy hour stickers? Absolutely. Right on. You can find me on Twitter under Sarah L. Showers. Sarah Showers. And I'm at Burgess D. Ryan. Uh, find me on Twitter. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us today. That's it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. If at any point in this episode we missed drinking to the keyword, let us know on Twitter, and we'll send you some front-end happy hour stickers. Until next time, thanks for listening.